Have you enjoyed the the gift exchange Christmas series? Have y'all enjoyed that? It has been interesting to say the least. Um, but I want to get into part three. Um, part three of the gift exchange is very simple. What we talked about over and over and over and consistently is this: is that especially here at Christmas time, we understand gift giving. We understand exchanging gifts. We understand. Um, <clears throat> That if somebody gives you something and you give them something, it is theirs, it is now yours, correct? Amen, right? Well, with Christ, Jesus came to give you freedom. He gave, came to give you peace. He came to give you joy. He came to give you hope. He came to give you all of these things. But in giving you these things, He also came to receive. Did you know that Jesus didn't just come giving you gifts? He came to get a few things. And those few things that he came to get was your pain, your hurt, the things that you struggle with, the things that have you bound up. Those are the things that in his free gift to you, see, he gave it to you first because he wants you to know that you're loved and you're free and you're cared about. But then <clears throat> what he wants to take with him, what he took on the cross was he took everything. He took your worry. He took your hurts. We talked about the last two weeks. Today we're going to talk about he took your grief and he'll give you his joy because in Dece on December 19th, when I was a 12-year-old little boy, I walked into a house and was an, it was told to me by my mother that my father had passed away. So at 12 years old, it's hard to process that. And we didn't, I didn't know how to deal with that. I didn't know how to, 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 to get over into a place where I knew how to, to, to process my emotions. And, and Christmas time has become really rough for me. I would pick things apart and just, just nothing would really be enjoyable to me. I made my kids miserable and all of these things. But what we've done is we've created a plan where we deal with our grief our way. Number one is we deny our loss. We, deny, we delay our pain and we distract ourselves. Now listen, if you've been on this earth for more than a few years, you're going to experience pain and grief. Amen. Now listen, we're going to get to the good stuff, but it sometimes, sometimes we're so caught up in preaching that we don't really minister. And today my job is to minister to you because you got to understand, Jesus not only came to help you with your grief, but to take it. To completely take it away. Some people don't see their pain as a gift. Now look, I'm not that preacher that's going to tell you God put pain on you to teach you something. That's unbiblical. It's not biblical. But I will tell you that your gift, that your pain is a gift, but it's not a gift from God, it's a gift to Him. See, we got our whole thinking messed up. We have to take what's on the inside of us and give it back to Him. The reason the altar was designed was not for the show of the church. The altar was designed for you to go there and give Him and lay down and let go of everything that's got you bound up and hurting and painful and just know that you've got a God that loved you enough to send Himself in Jesus to walk this earth and feel what you feel. So that when He goes to the cross, He can take it with Him. We don't give it to Him. We accept His gift of salvation. Thank God for that. You can find churches all over the world where you can, you can accept salvation. This church, you can accept salvation. Thank God for all that. But there is more than just being saved. There is a such thing as being free. There is a such thing as being peaceful, as being whole. And what we've done, now look, what we, we're really good at doing is we're really good at talking about Christmas but taking Jesus out of it. We're really good at looking at nativity scenes and just seeing, you know, me, me personally, my biggest gripe with nativity scenes are where the, the wise men are. 
because they're in the wrong place. They're like 800 miles away. They're not supposed to be there. But the thing is, that's what you see. But what we miss is the gift of Jesus Christ and the gift that He brought for us to completely be free. He took that. you got to understand, when He went to the cross, He took that. You understand? He took it. If you give me something and I take it and I take it home, it's now mine. You should lose all thought of what it is, where it is, and whose it is. Because it's now mine. What he's wanting you to do is to give him that pain. The only way to do that is to let it go yourself. And that is the most difficult thing to do. And where, because I'm a Word of Faith guy, I came from the Word of Faith camp. We believe in confession. We believe in saying things. We believe in getting the Word and confessing it the right way. The, where that came from is to switch our brains out of this automatic mode of just saying what we're dealing with over into saying how He wants us to deal with it. Because our way of dealing with things is to deny, delay, and distract. God's way of dealing is this way. We have to acknowledge the reality of our pain. We have to tell Him about it. He knows, but He wants, he wants you to get it out. But once you get it out, you have to hear what He's trying to say. Now, I want to I do this. I want you to go to Psalms chapter 30. This is not a typical Christmas scripture, but I want you to understand some things here. Psalms chapter 30. This is in the dedication of the temple. And, and David, King David is bearing his heart before God. Now people will read that, especially being in Psalms, and they'll say, oh, well, David, he was just, you know, he danced before the Lord, and he, he was a man after God's own heart, and he was David, and he slew the giant, and he was David, and he did this, and he was David, and he did that. And David wrote this. Psalms 30, start at verse 1. Now, we're reading that we got the New Living Translation on the screen. I will exalt you, O Lord, for you rescued me. You refused to let my enemies triumph over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you restored my health. You brought me up from the grave, O Lord. You kept me from falling into the pit of death. Sing to the Lord, you godly ones. Praise His holy name, for His anger lasts for only a moment. But his favor lasts a lifetime. And this is what we scream and shout about. Weeping lasts through the night. Or weeping may endure for the night. But joy comes in the morning. When I was prosperous, I said nothing can stop me now. Your favor, O oh God, made me secure as a mountain. Then you turned away from me and I was shattered. I cried out to you, O oh God. I begged for the Lord, the Lord of mercy saying, What will I gain if I die, if I sink into the grave? Can my dust praise you? Can it tell you of faithfulness? Hear me, God. Hear me, Lord. I have mercy upon me. Help me, O Lord. You have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. Now, this is David. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy that I might sing praises to you and not be silent, O Lord my God, and I will give you thanks forever. That entire text is a picture of how David was excited about what was going on. And then in the midst, in the meat of the text, he starts talking about how he feels like everything was stripped away from him. Even to the point that he would blame God for it. And, as, and then he would finish it up by saying how amazing God is because even in the midst of his pain, he realized who God was and how good he was. Now let me explain something to you. We read this and know that this is the David, this is the psalmist, this is the lion killer, this is all these things. But here's what happened. This was written right after he lost his best friend in Jonathan. His mentor in Samuel, he lost his first wife, Micah, he lost her affection. And the first baby he had had died. 
And yet he still says, weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. How amazing is it that that's how he thinks? Because he was a man after God's own heart. A lot of times we miss, we say David's a a man after God's own heart, so he chased God. That is true. But he also started to act like God. See, when you start to get close, things start to change in your mind. When you really spend time in prayer and worship, and I mean real stuff, not just recited stuff, but I mean you get down and dirty, you can let all the stuff go and and just let it all come out. Then God really begins to open up things to you, and it's amazing to me that God will, will, when you're in your worst situation, God will begin to talk to you about somebody else. I never have understood that about God. But it's always to get you releasing life over somebody else because what you release grows in you. And if you can move to a place that you put Jesus back in the forefront, not just church, not just a holiday, not just decorations, not just all the things that we think are Christmas, but putting Jesus back at the center of it all, putting Him to the place where He is what you look at first. And when listen, it amazes me people that will go, they'll call me, and, and or, or want to meet and, and, and different things and we'll go have lunch or whatever's going on. And it amazes me the things they're going through and they'll run through this list of things that they've tried. Then they'll want prayer. Why don't we just pray first? It's a whole lot easier. We always get to prayer anyway. Why don't we just start there from now on? Because what I'm, what I'm re, reigniting in my life is the fact that although I love all of you, I'm useless to you. If I'm not connected to Him. And in ministry, we tend to take the ministry and the burden on our shoulders. And we begin to, you know, you do it as a family, you do it as a parent, you begin to take on the burden for your children. And you have to understand that Jesus Himself, April read something in the team meeting today that, that was just amazing. And, and if she wants to read it at the end of service, you can. But she, it ministered to us as a team so much of how much focus it took for, for Jesus to become vulnerable as a child, that somebody had to feed him. Somebody had to take care of him. Somebody had to make sure he was warm. Somebody had to make sure that, that when he was teething, he was taken care of. That when he, was, when, his, when he had a dirty diaper, somebody had to change him. The vulnerability of that, that he was willing to go through for you. To fast forward to the vulnerability of the cross, to where he has nothing, nothing between him and his father except for pain. Have you ever thought about the cross like that? There was nothing between him and God but pain. And we've painted an entire picture in ministry that you're supposed to be in pain. God's punishing you. Well, why would Jesus come to take our pain and create all things new if we just had to go through it again? God does not recycle. Listen, God, when, when, he, when, when we marry into the family of God, they ain't no divorce. When we marry into the family of God, we're always connected to Him. You may be far away, but He's always there listening. Are y'all with me? Because this is what we don't see. What we don't see is how far Jesus went for us. Oh, we talk about it. We preach about it. We do all the things that we're supposed to do as Christians. But do you wake up every morning grateful? Because the breath you just took in was the breath God let out. See, we move past all that. We've gotten so intelligent. The church is so intelligent. My wife said something. I'm going to tell you something. She said something that is absolutely, I didn't tell her this, but she said something that has absolutely convicted me. 
to my core, like wounded me in a good way. She said, I can't remember exactly how you said it, but God spoke to you and said, when will my ministers come to me for a message? Get a message from heaven. Instead of just downloading one off sermoncentral.com. By the way, I did not do that today, just so you know. (laughs) Just disclosure. But there comes a point where you can't stop where you have to stop just telling the same story and moving into the freedom side of it. When we move into a place that our eyes are stayed upon Him, only then can perfect peace work. You're wanting peace, but are we moving into a place where that peace can work? Because what we do is we, we learn about His gifts. you got to understand, please, if I don't do anything today, please get this. You have to understand that to walk in the gifts of Christ means there has to be an exchange. You can't just take on His gifts and still carry your burdens and think they're going to prosper. You can't do it. Now, we've preached that you can, but we were wrong. You can't. You have to let go of whatever it is that's holding you down, whatever it is that's got you tied in knots, whatever it is that you're holding against whoever. We've all been through pain. We've all been through hurts. We all got stuff. If you've been alive more than a day, you got stuff. But He came so that stuff can be gone. He came to dissipate it. He came to break its hold. He came and David was able to say, You're my God. You're my father. I love you. I dance before you. I'll do anything for you. In the midst of losing his son, in the midst of losing his wife, in the midst of almost losing his kingdom, he lost his mentor. He lost a listen, let me tell you, I've been through some hurt. I've been through some, I've lost some people that my God in heaven, I'm still frustrated with God. They should still be here. I get it. But for me to move where I'm going, I can't stay there. Because there is where my thoughts are on Alan. Here are where my thoughts have to be on him. God wants to do so much for each and every one of you. So much. And if you get caught up in this life, that it becomes your life, you've taken it from him. Are y'all with me? Well, praise the Lord. Let's go have Christmas. You've got to understand, this is about an exchange. And it's not easy. It's not easy. Because when you go to unload your burden to Jesus, you have to get down and dirty in the depths of what you've held on to. And the hardest thing for you, listen to me now, God already knows all your stuff. So it's not an issue of you getting real with God. It's an issue of you getting real with you. Because you know you. You know what hurts you. You know what you've held on to. You know what's deep down in there. But Jesus never uses your pain To push you down. Jesus never uses your pain to lift you up. That's a lie. Jesus takes it. You ever had one of those situations in your life? Have you ever had a situation happen where you're just speechless? Just like, what just happened? And it takes you some time to process it. That is exactly how it is when Jesus takes it. When you hit the altar or when you get to that place and you just let it go, you have to be willing to be to be amazed and speechless that it no longer exists. And by faith, accept that it no longer exists in you. It may exist in Him, and your words can bring it back. But if you believe it's gone, let it stay gone. Are are y'all getting anything? Now, let me try to get to some, some, 
some, I, I haven't got anywhere where I need to go, but listen, you got to understand how one-sided Jesus is. You ever been in a one-sided deal? You ever been upside down in something? You owe more on your house than it's worth or on your car? Or what? And it's completely one-sided because you feel hopeless. This, this deal with Jesus is so one-sided that, you, listen, you can't fix you. Oh my gosh, if you could fix you, it would be amazing, but you can't fix you. God comforts us through reminding us that He walked through grief Himself. God comforts us by removing every reason to grieve. Isaiah 53 and 3 says, he, just, he was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. Now listen to this. We turned our backs on Him, and we looked the other way. He was despised, and we did not care. That one text in Isaiah tells us exactly, listen to me, can I get into your brain for just a second? This text tells us exactly how we expect humans to react and how we expect God to react to our pain. This is human nature. He was despised, subjected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deep-set grief, and we turned our backs on him and we looked the other way because he was despised. Because it's, it's uncomfortable to confront things. It's uncomfortable to confront pain. But it's necessary. So this is how we would react. But this is not how Jesus reacted. Jesus said, give me everything you got. Do you understand the greatest gift of Jesus is not salvation? Thank God for it. I'm fixing to mess with your doctrine a little bit. It's not salvation. It's not. Because you, you, you can accept Jesus Christ and go to heaven and live in hell on this earth and be broken and, and all messed up. But on this earth, there is a gift in peace and wholeness and joy that you can step into by letting all that go that makes you become a conduit where heaven on earth can manifest. Where when somebody bumps into you in Walmart in the midst of the chaos, and it is chaotic, but they see something on you. They see peace on you. They see joy on you. They see something in your eyes that they want you to talk. They just, they're just a, they're, they're magnetized to you. And I just want to tell you, that is God's desire that you're so attractive in Christ that people want to talk to you. I told you all this story uh, several times uh, a few months ago, but I'm going to tell you again. About three or four years ago, when I was going through, through these really tough times, we were... We were in Birmingham at a, a store getting some things for, I think we were doing an event here. I can't remember what we were getting. We were getting something. And we went into a, a grocery store over there that is in a part of town where there's, it's, it's very multicultural. You got, you got Latino people, Asian people. Um, you got people from, from South America. You got people from South Africa. You got all different people. It's just, it's really cool, actually. It's a melting pot of people. But we just happened to be in there because we couldn't find what we needed, so we went there and I was walking through, and, and people would just walk up to me and just start talking. I think you, you remember this story. People would just start talking to me. And I would just finally, after what, about 20 minutes, I said, I'm going to the car. I'm sick of this. And I sat down in the car. And as soon as I sat down in the car, the Holy Spirit said, I remember when you used to beg me for the person to minister to today. And I just gave you three. And you walked right past them. Now that'll mess with you. And then you want to get all haughty and say, well, God, you just don't understand. Like, because you know more than he does. Right? So I'm sitting there and I'm, 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 I'm dealing with this. 
And I would like to say, y'all judge me all you want to, I would like to say that hot tears started rolling down my face and I repented. No, I'm cool with it. I'm tired of people. That's what I said, isn't it? You got in the car. Tired of people. Now, I love individuals, but people, you know, like when you went in the mall and there's people. And the Lord said, every single one of those people mean more to me than you can ever imagine. And they're just as important to me as you are. And their problems are just as important to me as your problems are. And sometimes we're so busy caught up in our funk, we can't be an answer for somebody else. And we have to move back to a place that we don't live in as a man of sorrows acquainted with deep-set grief. God doesn't want you dealing with grief. Every day. Let me tell you all something. There is, when something happens tragically, and, and funerals and, and people in their race early or whatever it is, there, there is a season of grieving. There is. There's a season of grief. But when that grief moves to sorrow, we're now in sin. Because we've been given a season to deal with this and to give our emotions to Him and help Him work through it. And God is so compassionate that He wants to work through this. But when you get to sorrow, now it's self-focused. And I had no idea what, how, how sorrowful I had become. And, I, and I, I wanted to recognize this and I wanted to see it and I wanted to move back into the sonship that God had called me to and I wanted to deal with it the right way, but I had to see it His way. Because when you see your pain, listen to me now, when you see your pain your way, all you see is how big it is. And it takes a little humbleness to move away from your pain and to see how really insignificant it is in the big spectrum of things. That doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. Doesn't mean you weren't traumatized. Doesn't mean that it doesn't need to be deal, dealt with. What it does mean is the proper channels. Now, I'm going to try to, I, I made a commitment to my team. I'm going to try to get everybody out of here early today, and I'm, I'm going to do that. But this is what I want to say, and then I'm going to wrap this message up. When I was moving into the place, of being a young man and even over into playing music and traveling. Now, I'm, I'm going I'm to share something kind of raw that I don't really share much. Um, I don't think I've ever shared this publicly. What made me, listen to me now, because Satan's anointed too, just in a different way. What made me successful musically was the angst and sorrow that I had in the songs that I wrote. Because what was in me that was painful pushed me to a place. And listen, I was driven instead of being led. I was driven by something. I was driven by sorrow. I was driven by hurt. I was driven by pain. But then when I came into the kingdom, now now listen, this is a roller coaster, this thing in the kingdom, but in the, when I first came in, I met God. I had an encounter with Him. I laid on that floor, and a guy, I'd never been in a Pentecostal church in my life, thought everybody was crazy, got up, everything was different, and all of a sudden, I felt clean. And I had no idea that I could be led, and I didn't have to push this life. And there are things in your life that you're trying to accomplish in you. There are, there are things in your life that something in you is driving you versus God leading you into it. I'm not saying you're not supposed to be doing it. I'm just saying you got to let Him take the lead. The Bible says this. When, the, when God's talking to Abraham, the Bible says that God spoke to Abraham and told him that I will be your God. I will walk before you. 
That's what Abraham, that's what God said to Abraham. He said, I will walk before you. I'll walk in front of you. I walk. Then Abraham goes and does a few things on his own. And he goes out there and he makes a mess of it. We have an entire Islamic religion now because of one mistake. And God speaks to Abraham, and it was, it was several years before he spoke to him again. And God speaks to Abraham, and he says, Now walk thou before me, and be thou perfect. The position changed. God was walking in front of him, clearing things out. Now he stepped behind him because he knew Abraham's weakness, and he had his back as well as his front. And that's where most of us are with God. He's asking us to walk before him, and be thou perfect. And that doesn't mean that everything you do is right. It means that you're listening. It means that you want to understand. It means, now listen, this was my Easter message. At Easter, it's something that's still messing with me. I am fully convinced that the enemy's got us off track. I'm fully convinced that the enemy's got us fighting warfare when we're supposed to be legislating in the courtroom. We're supposed to be standing up, declaring what the Word says about us, not fighting the devil. Because Jesus is the enforcement. The angel of heaven is the enforcement. Our job is to just say what we are. So today we're free. Ray, will you come up and play please? Today we're joyful. Today we're letting our grief go. It's 1141. We're going to get out of here early, but we're not going to get out of here until we let all this stuff go. It matters. It matters that you let the weight go. The Bible says that you can lay aside every heavy weight and sin. You hear me? Every weight and say and. That's addition to. Every heavy weight and sin. Now listen, that means that you can be saved and cleansed from your sin and still carry heavy weight. So let's get rid of that today. Y'all stay on your feet with me. Just bow your heads. Father. Lord, I pray over every single person in this room right now. Lord, I know that this is, this, is, this is the most joyous, most wonderful time of the year. We get to unwrap presents and, and enjoy our family and see our kids have a good time. And, and we get to see our families and, and all of that. But it's also the hardest time for so many people. The enemy puts us on lockdown in our emotions. But not today. Today, Father, we release our hurt. Listen, if you're comfortable, just worship Him. Just lift your hands. Just one, one, one international act of surrender. Oh, Holy Spirit. Minister to your people. There are people in this room. You have so much greatness in you. I'm included in that. There's so much greatness in us. There's so many roadblocks between us and where we need to go. Not because the enemy's powerful, but because we've accepted defeat, we've accepted pain, we've accepted hurt. But I'm telling you, today it ends. There's a way out. There's a way of escape. God never, ever, ever gave us a breath of life that that breath could not produce victory. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak healing, hope and joy. Victory in people's hearts, victory in their minds, victory into their life. God, I pray that we stop looking at life through what just church bylaws say or what denominations say, but what let's just get to the place where we get in a word and hear what you say. 
Because you say that it's in our weakness that you make us strong. You say that it's in our hurt and our pain that you make us whole. So we give it to you today, God. We release it into your hands. We give it to you as a gift. Whatever it is. For me, it was addiction and brokenness. For other people, it may be greed. For other people, it may be uh, just a, a distrust, insecurity. Whatever it is. We give it to you now. Holy Spirit, minister to your people. Minister to your people. Now with every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. If you're in this place and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you have no idea. You want that peace. You want all the things we talked about. And you're just not on a play. And you're just not linked up with the Lord like you want to be. Now is your moment. Nobody's going to call you out or embarrass you. I just want you to lift your hand up, put it right back down, and then we're all going to pray together. If you're in this place and you say, Pastor Allen, I need Jesus in my life, lift your hands. One, two, three, all across this place. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to pray. Church, we're going to pray together. People are going to give their lives to Jesus today. So say this with me. Those of you that raise your hands, every one of you, everybody say it. Say it from deep down in here. Say, Father, I thank you that you sent Jesus to die for me. I accept the free gift of salvation and I give back the gift of pain, the gift of grief, and the gift of hurt. Today, I walk in wholeness and I accept Jesus as my Savior forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. People got saved today, church. Amen. Now, Real quick, let me say, I'm going to close this out. The Lord's not directed me to have an altar call today, but so I'm going to close this out real fast.